Welcome to Hackstack, Advanced Training Edition, the show that gives you all the tips, tricks and advice you need to increase your productivity, lower your stress level and find ultimate purpose in life. To get the greatest understanding of what Hackstack is all about, start listening from episode number one. And now, here's your host, Coz. Hello and welcome to Hackstack. This is a special Father's Day edition. Uh, we are on episode number 32 right now. And man, it has been a while since I have been in the podcast saddle here. Last episode I did was on the ketogenic diet. If there's anyone out there interested in getting healthier, uh, having a lot more energy, maybe losing a little weight, I highly recommend that episode, episode 31. Uh, since that podcast aired, uh, I put a, a couple people through the ketogenic uh, protocol. One friend in particular has been doing the uh, ketogenic protocol. And as of this recording, he has been doing it for about 110 days. And he is down 58 pounds and has a lot more energy. So uh, it's definitely effective, and it's something that can be sustained for a lifetime. So if that piques your interest at all, I highly recommend going back to episode number 31 and checking that out. So back to the topic at hand, Father's Day. Uh, I am a father of two. I have a 10-year-old son and an 8-year-old daughter. And the goal of most fathers is, is relatively simple. You want to be a good father, right? There's never a lack of desire or motivation uh, at least there shouldn't be, to be a good father. But like many things we talk about on this podcast, it's not the what so much as the how. So how does one become a good father? Well, that's kind of a loaded question. There are a lot of answers to that, a lot of different things one can do to be a good father. Uh, but the focus of this episode is just to give you a couple little things to cling on to and maybe implement into your life. Uh, really simple and easy to remember, but they are really, really effective. In what cooler and better way to communicate that to the men out there, to the fathers out there, than to have a few Navy SEALs talk to us today? Because Navy SEALs are the epitome of strength and character, and they have this certain male mystique, right? I, <laughs> I honestly don't have what it takes to be a Navy SEAL. Very few men do. So there's a certain respect uh, that's just automatically given to someone that has gone through that and endured that training and, you know, serves their country at such a high level. And these Navy SEALs have all of these traits that most men would would love to have, uh, even if they can't be as good as some of these Navy SEALs to aspire to have some of these character traits is a very noble thing. That's why uh, when I play a few of these podcast clips, uh, hopefully, these the things that are mentioned resonate with you. Now, I only have three clips today, so it's going to be a relatively short show compared to some of the other ones. But the first clip is of a Navy SEAL, the second clip is not, and then the final clip also involves a Navy SEAL. So I think uh, I think you'll get some, some really good information out of this. And again, I'm going to try and keep it as simple as possible. Now, the focus of this podcast is based on a concept called Mindset which is covered in detail in the book by the same name. Okay, the book is called Mindset by Carol Dweck. Uh, we've mentioned it before. It's pretty much a must read. It was a game changer in my life. Uh, and just to give you some perspective, I think nearly every professional 
coach, NBA, NFL, has read this book. But the main concept of the book is there's two types of mindset. A, A fixed mindset is one that goes along the lines of, you know, you either have a skill or you don't. You were either born with something or you're not, right? In short, you either got it or you don't, whatever it is. The growth mindset, which is the mindset you always want to be in, is that skills can be learned, skills can be developed. There's not such a thing as failure so much as failure is a step towards success. So it doesn't matter if you're talking about shooting a hockey puck, shooting a basketball, throwing a football, swinging a baseball bat, uh, even talking to people, interpersonal skills. These are all skills that can be honed and developed. So the thing I like about this podcast is is the guy that hosts the podcast. He's a dad. He's a coach. He's read all the books, including mindset. So he gets the concept. And yet he still, he made an error with his son when it came to wrestling and how to interact with his son through his successes and failures as a wrestler. So think about this. This, this father knows that you should always praise the effort and not the result. Because when you praise the result, whether that's a good grade or, or winning a sporting event, as soon as that good result doesn't happen, right, you lose the game or you get a bad grade, then all of a sudden the child internalizes this failure and they, they drop into that fixed mindset like, hey, I guess I don't have it. Because if I did have it, I wouldn't have got that bad grade. I wouldn't have lost that game. So keep in mind that this dad does know this concept and still sort of dropped the ball. So I'm going to play this clip to to drive home the point, and uh, we'll see if if you dads out there have maybe made the same mistake, and hopefully that gives you a little bit something to think about to maybe correct that and not make that same mistake in the future. So let's check out the Good Dad Project, um, where he interviews Navy SEAL Larry Yacht. Here you go. So I, I've got a question for you. I'm, I'm listening to this, and you know, I'm I'm kind of shaking my own head because I'm sitting here thinking, like, wow, I've I've done this. Uh, I have I haven't done this very well. I think I've fallen into the to the norms. You know, yep. give me give me your perspective on this. And I think a lot of guys will relate to this from maybe a performance aspect, whether it's in school whether it's in sports or whatever else. But, you know, so my, my nine-year-old, he just turned nine. Uh, this is his third year wrestling. Uh, for the past two years, he's just, man, he's just dominated wrestling. You know, he's, I think, uh, you know, beginning at the end of his second year, he had won fifth in state his second year. He won second in state his very first year. His total record for two years was like uh, 59 and seven. Never oh, been. Wow. He was never pinned up until um, a final match in his state championship in his second year. But he went, he went over sixty matches with with never getting pinned. He was just one of those kids that always dominated wrestling, and he loved it. You know, he loves to win. He's a competitive kid. Well, because he's done so well over the past two years, he's now put in a whole new bracket this year, yeah. and he is going up against eight year old kids and nine year old kids. These kids are they're operating at a whole nother level. I've never yep. even seen kids who have the skill set that these kids, I mean, these are kids that wrestle year round. These are yep. kids that wrestle on the USA team. And he went to his very first tournament and just got crushed. I mean, yeah. crushed. I've never seen him lose so bad and get, get so emotional. He was pinned three times in three matches. 
Yeah. And so here I am, I'm one of the coaches. I'm not the coach, but I've always been one of his coaches. And now I'm walking this fine line between, you know, because we're now a few months into the season and I've talked to the coach and I'm like, you know, Hey, you know, what, what should we do? You know, should put, keep pushing him to compete. You know, what do we do? He's like, to be honest with you, I wouldn't because he might get really burnt out. He's in a whole new level this year and he's actually wrestling up. So not just in skill level, but in age, he's actually going to go up against kids older. He's like, so if I gave you any advice, it's to take this, this year off of tournaments and just practice and get his skill level up because he's going to get just trampled. But here's what's happened. It's, it's like those first three matches like have left an imprint on him and he is so defeated that now he's scared to death to get on the mat again. And this is what he, and it crushed me, you know, but I always try to make the kids goals, their goals and not mine. You know, wrestling was my favorite sport growing up. I love the fact that my eight year old is, was good at it. It is good at it. Um, so wait, but, wait, yeah, just what did you just say? Yeah. Say it again. I love the fact that, that my nine year old is good at it. He isn't good at it. He is. He's worked hard at it. Right. Has he not? He's yeah. He's worked hard at it. That he's not good at it. He's worked hard at it. He's put a lot of effort in, which has allowed him to perform. He it that by saying he's good at it, the first time that he he isn't, the first time that he fails, he's no longer good at it because he kids know that wow. if wow. I fail, right? If I get pinned three times in three matches, I'm no I'm not good at it, right? If I was good at it, I wouldn't have gotten pinned three times in three mat three oh, matches. God. Yeah, yeah. And therefore, I'm scared, right? I'm not. I can't go on because every time I go on and get pinned, I am no longer good at it, and I'm proving. The world is seeing, my dad is seeing, I'm no longer good at soccer, at wrestling. And I know it means a lot to my dad to be good at wrestling. So what, what we have to do, and this is, we, we, we as human beings get this wrong. Our culture gets it wrong. We are always wrong at this. And that's why this concept is so core to successful parenting. It's so core to success as an individual is to understand this. And so the key distinction is that effort, effort is what's praised, not the result with the result. Right. Cause the, so this is how we think about this. I now have a just under three year old, not once since in his life has my wife or I ever told him he has been good at anything. All we've ever done is praise him for effort from the time that he was, you know, when they're there, I don't know, what is it like six months old and they're kind of getting up the first step and they're using their teeth and their face to kind of get them up one step. They don't speak at all. We, we, we would praise him for working hard. Wow. You worked really hard at that. Mm. Great job is the only, the only praise we give him. Great job, great effort. Now, this is the other key. Imagine, imagine if this would have been the environment your son would have been in. For those 57 wins, right, or whatever it was, if every time it was one of those wins, those 57 wins, it was like, man, that was kind of a wasted match, right? Like, you didn't get anything out of that. And the first time he lost, right, it was like, you, if he came in and you're like, Dude, finally, someone that can challenge you. What would it be his, if every time that he won, it was like, man, I was kind of a waste. Like you put in all this effort and that wasn't even hard. And then the first time that he, he failed, man, finally we got there. 
we finally got someone that can challenge you. What's his, what do you think his reaction would be? I think it would be totally different. And yep. I'm just, I'm, I'm a little speechless over here, to be honest. I mean, this is a pretty profound moment. Um, just because I'm sitting here thinking about the last, you know, two and a half years, how many times I told him how great he was at wrestling. And now I'm going to sit, you know, I was, I was having a conversation with him last night, you know, cause he's, he's worked hard in, uh, in practice and he's learned new moves. And, um, I asked him, I was like, you know, so how, how you feeling? You know, you, you feel good, you know, about the, about, you know, next season. Cause I mean, this season's almost over. And he told me, he's like, I don't think I want to go back. And yeah. I was like, really? And he's like, I mean, I was shocked because he's always been so excited about it. And I was like, why? And he's like, I just want to try his, his nine-year-old response is, I think I just want to try something new. I think I want to go to go try play hockey. Yeah. And then I asked him why. And he's like, well, I've been doing it for three years. I want to try something else. So as a father, like I'm scratching my head and, and now I just maybe realize some of my missteps. Um, yeah. Know. So the, uh, I would say, let's just stick with this. If you, you know, I think it's even better. We can use this example because one, I want to, I want to help you out. And two, we're using an actual example and I, I want to pull in fear relative to this. So how this would be my suggestion of how you can, uh, you can repair, right? W repair this sit environment, this situation, because this is critical for his future success in life, right? Because say he tries hockey and with his current mindset, right? He tries hockey, he's going to suck, right? Relative to everyone else. And odds are a lot of the kids that he plays with has been playing for a year or two. He's going to suck. Is he going to want to put in the effort? Will he choose to put in the effort to get good, quote unquote? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, probably, I, yeah, probably, probably not. not. And that's where you see it, where kids about this age, right, bounce from sport to sport to sport to sport, and they end up, they end up deciding, you know what, I don't really want to do anything. You know, it, it, this is how it happens, mm -hmm. and it's because they've been predisposed to this fixed mindset. All right, so there you go. That is uh, a well-intentioned father who makes a subtle but pretty impactful mistake. So here it is. His son is pretty amazing at wrestling. And since this father basically praised the results for you know the first 57 matches or whatever it was, um, as soon as he lost... The son was basically ready to quit wrestling, which which is a tragedy given that apparently this son was pretty amazing. And that's the danger of subtly preaching a fixed mindset. And it's such an easy trap to fall in, especially as a as a father. You know, we're we're so performance based in the way we think about things, you know, whether it's at work or sports, you know, all the things that males typically you know, strive to get better at the benchmark for determining success is usually the result. So it, it's sort of intuitive and makes sense to praise or criticize the result. But what inadvertently happens is the child who is desperate for the love and affection of the father will start to, and, and you can understand why, but they'll start to think, I can only get my father's affection if I perform this given activity well, you know, sports, academics. And if you put it that way, it's kind of heartbreaking because clearly you're going to love your child either way. But the message we send to those children sometimes uh, is not <laughs> not the, the most well-packaged message. 
So here is a couple little tidbits to help combat that, that common pitfall and begin to nurture and build that growth mindset in your child. Two things. One is really specific. First is the phrase, not yet. So inevitably, your child is going to say, I'm not good at math. I'm not good at basketball or whatever it is. And you don't have to sugarcoat it. You don't have to lie to your kid. You can just use the phrase, not yet. And it's a really handy phrase. It's two words and it changes everything. So for example, if if your kid comes up to you and says, man, I'm not good at math. You can say, son, algebra. Yeah, you're not good at it. Not yet. But with hard work and practice, and I'm going to give you all the tools that you need to succeed. If you're willing to put in the work, you will get better at it. Dad, I'm not a good singer. I'm not a good this or that. Well, maybe not yet, but that doesn't mean in the future you won't be good at those things. So how about we come up with a plan to change that and get you what you want and improve your skill level? So all the variations of not yet is a really easy way to start to build that growth mindset in your child. And finally, what was mentioned in this past clip was you always praise the effort. That's the first thing you do. And this, this is actually hard for me. Uh, if, my, if my kid comes home with a good grade or a homework assignment that's good, it's really, really hard for me to not praise my son or daughter in the traditional way. Like, oh, you're smart. Oh, you're good. So a lot of times I mesh the technique. So I'll go, man, you're really smart. But then I always back it up. You know why you're smart? Because you put in all that effort studying. I mean, even if if he didn't study all that hard, I make sure to point that out. I'm like, hey, you're smart because you put in all that effort studying. Hey, you drew a good picture because you practiced so hard at your technique. And sometimes I make my kids repeat it back to me. Like, hey, hey, why did you get a good grade? Well, because I'm smart. Well, you, you are smart, but why are you smart? So I sort of walk them through, and I'm really trying to hammer this concept home. So that's the one little takeaway from, from that first clip is the phrase, not yet, and then you always praise the effort more so than the result. All right, on to the, the next clip. This is the non-Navy <laughs> SEAL clip, but this is a clip from Focus on the Family, and it's just an interview with a PhD and a counselor that... Uh, is really focused on building families up, but in particular, building the fathers up because the fathers play such a critical role in the confidence and the self-esteem and the outcome of the child's life. So again, in this clip, you'll hear some things on uh, just how men are typically performance-based and and how that can have a, a negative effect on how we interact with our kids. But it also talks about you know, if you have teenage kids, how to interact with them, especially if on the surface they're being uh, distant and kind of smart alecky. And this clip also talks about uh, physical affection towards your kids and how doing that or lack thereof, some of the repercussions of that that kind of hit home in the teenage years. And and trust me, dads, <laughs> you want to pay attention to this. You know, my daughter's eight right now and I'm I'm taking furious notes on some of these concepts. So We'll play this clip, and then we'll talk a little bit more after. All right, here you go. We do so much to mess up. It's nice to hear uh, just a little pat on the back. You're doing well. Keep going. Yeah, the influence that you have. Without a doubt. And uh, I think that's the most positive aspect of the discussion last time. 
hang in there, Dad. Don't give up, even when your kids may be sending you signals that you're not doing the right thing. Keep moving forward and don't hide. And uh, that's what I took away at the program yesterday. Don't be intimidated by your teenagers. <laughs> and that's important for mm-hmm. us to remember. Dr. Meg Meeker has written this wonderful new book, Hero, Being the Strong Father Your Children Need. And uh, Dr. Meg, welcome back to Focus. Thanks for having me. Uh, let's pick up where we left off last time. Uh, you were talking very intimately about your father and fathers who blow it and the need for them not to pull back. And even in that area, you described the teenage girl whose dad doesn't know to hug her anymore, those things. It caught my attention because Jean and I, uh, when we first got married, um, you know, she struggled with uh, that intimacy, Mm -hmm. just holding hands and hugging. And we started to talk about it. And her father pulled back at about 12, 13. Mm. Um, She remembers it being that her mom had said something to him like, honey, your your girls are now blossoming. It's not appropriate for you as a father to be physically touching them or hugging them. That happens, you didn't describe it last time that way, but that also happens where the dad is asked by the mom not to show that kind of affection to a teenage daughter, and the dad backs up, and then the the child's left hanging out there. Doesn't dad love me? Exactly, and you look at young teenage girls who are sexually active at 14, 15, and 16, and I've seen scads of them, unfortunately, and they will say the reason they do it is to have somebody touch them and hug them. And it's for a male figure. And so really one of the best things that a father can do to help his daughter stay away from sexual activity early is to give her physical affection. And interesting, there's research that shows the number one way to boost a girl's self-esteem is to have her father show her more physical affection. It isn't to you know, get her a piano tutor or help her get her grades up or give her ice skating lessons or Oh, those those things are good. Those are good, right? But but we think of well, get help them learn to do something well, and their self esteem will go up. But interesting with girls, we know that it's physical affection from a dad that makes them feel better about who they are as a person, and that's telling. Particularly when we are talking about the influence and the power that a father has on a on a child's life, there you go. There's that authority again. That wow, my dad thinks that I'm lovely enough or wonderful enough or valuable enough for him to come and give me a big hug, I must really be something because children see their fathers as so enormous. Right. And I'm sure Jean's dad never knew that scar that he created in her heart. Well, exactly. And a lot of fathers wound their kids not because they have bad intentions. It's because they don't know better. Or they think that's what they're supposed to do because their kids during their teen years give them vibes that they don't want their father around. So the father goes, okay, and he leaves and he walks away. And that's exactly the opposite of what you need to do. And so a big part of the work that I do, again, is to show fathers what their kids need even throughout adolescence so they don't get their feelings hurt and they don't overread their kids. They understand this child is confused, and to whatever degree they express discomfort with me, they're expressing discomfort with themselves, right? not me. So don't take your kids personally, Dad. And I will tell you, if young girls early on in life are hurt by their father or a male figure, they will shut down 
any type of affection or reaching out to men later in life and to God himself. You talk about three questions, and we promised last time we wanted to get to that. And so uh, let's cover that. What are the three questions your kids need answered by their father? Yeah, I came up with these questions because they really are about growing the heart of your child and the spirit of your child. We're so about, um, you know, teaching our kids to perform well, and we're pretty good at that. We We are really all about that. We're all about the externals, (laughs) but that's not what makes them feel valuable as a human being. The first question every child needs their father to answer is, what do you believe about me, Dad? And think about this. That's what my father was answering to me when we talked yesterday on the program about when I didn't get into medical school. And I overheard my father tell a friend that I was going to go. What he communicated to me in 30 seconds is, I believe you have everything it takes to get to where you want to go. And that changed my life. That changed my adult the trajectory of my adult work. Every five-year-old girl or son, when they walk into a room, they want their father, they're reading their father for clues about what he thinks about them. Does daddy like what I'm coloring? Does he like what I'm talking about? Does he like what I'm wearing? Does he like what I just built? Does he see me? You know, they're, they're looking and searching for clues about what you think about them. And, and in short, they are Dad, what do you believe about the person that I am? If you come home and you don't even notice me and I'm sitting in the kitchen and you walk right by me, you believe I'm not worth noticing. Or I'm not there. Or I'm not there. You believe I'm invisible. Or if a father on the other end, you know, we're so performance-oriented in training our kids to be good performers today, and we follow them around to all their athletic games, if the only time we, we praise them and applaud them is when they're on a soccer field, guess what that child learns to think you believe about him? Is that you believe he's a really great soccer player, and, and it's worth watching him play soccer, but you really don't give him any attention any other time, so Boy, oh boy, that kid's going to keep playing soccer. Meg, let me let me uh, tease this out for you a bit. Because of the way men think and fathers think, I think I qualify. Those things are important to you. Yes. And you can get lost in that performance area. Yes. How does a man dial it back to understand the greater virtues that he needs to pass on to his children? Well, think back to when he was a kid. What did he want from his dad? All those things are wonderful. You know, get your kids out playing sports, help them excel in things. But at the same time, say, when I was 15, if my father would have come in and said, man, oh, man, I am so proud that you are my son. No matter what. And, I, and I'm glad you do all this soccer and I'm glad you have great grades. But you are my son. Mm. Do you know what that means to me, Charlie, or whatever? To dial back and say, okay, look at the heart of your child and affirm the heart of your child that you believe his life is valuable and God gave him to you as your son for this time in life. Even if you just say that. And I get that. And I think that's in a healthy dynamic and the dad's doing the right thing. Let's role play this a little bit. But what if I said, yeah, my 15 year old, he's got a sharp tongue. He's always mouthing off. He disrespects me. I'm going through that litany where some dads live in their relationship with their teenage son or daughter. And you're saying, and I've heard this clearly last time and this time, dad, you got the adult brain. Mm -hmm. You're fully formed in your brain. You've got to act adult like, and you've got to overcome that and stay engaged, even though you're not feeling the love Mm -hmm. from that teenager. And I'm just saying, how do you go about starting that uh, mechanism of looking beyond it? 
going beyond the angst that sure. you're getting from the teenager, the sharp words, yeah. the I don't want to take the trash out line. Yeah. How do you get over that, still be a loving father, yeah. and hopefully get them moving in right. a good direction? Right. Well, you know, here are a couple of things because a lot of kids end up that way. First of all, the snarkier and nastier your teenager behaves, the more that child is saying to you, um, he's trying to get attention from you. Yeah. That's why kids do it. So he's not trying to be mean because he dislikes you as a father. He's really saying, please, 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 will you pay attention to me and spend some time with me? So if your child is really mouthing off and they're in a bad place, you need to find some time for that child and to be able to have time with that child and endure him. Yes. Just endure. Take him camping. You say, oh, no, no. Yep. You're a man. You can do it. <laughs> Get in a canoe and let him just rail on you if he feels like it because it will come to an end. What he's saying is, please, 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 Dad, you know, I need more of you. So give him your time and don't take him personally. And if you need to say, pretend he is your neighbor's kid for a couple of hours to endure what he's saying to you because you're just going to go crazy, um, do that if you need to. And then as he starts to simmer down, then you say to him, I am so glad you're my son. Mm. He said, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? But you know what? You can say anything you want. I am so glad you're my son because one day you're going to stop all this. Mm. Okay, Meg, you've covered one of the questions. What do you believe about me? Which is convicting. I don't know if that convicts you a little bit, John. I'm going to think differently (laughs) about my children today. Take that moment to Mm -hmm. tell your kids these things. Another question of the three was, how do you really feel about me? Yes. Yes. You know, many many great parents will tell me in my practice, oh, I love my kids. I adore my kids. And yet when I talk to those kids who are usually teenagers and I ask those kids who are struggling, usually the kids who are depression, anxiety, or they're acting out, I say, who in your family loves you? And they they always say this. Well, my mom does because she has to. Right. Mom's love is constant. Mom's love is non-negotiable. Why is that? Because... Every child feels if your mother doesn't love you, at least your mother, then your life isn't worth living because it has to start somewhere. Now, this is very interesting, but your father's love is negotiable. It's the wild card. It's the wild card. Now, even if a child has a fabulous father who would never leave, who tells his kids he loves them every day. In a child's mind, that child still needs to behave well because they can't risk losing their father's love. And that's what I say. Children approach their mothers and their fathers very differently. And as I say that, many adults will think back on their own child and go, yeah, I get it. When my dad walked in, I I, I just wasn't sure what he was thinking or feeling. But my mom, I could be mean to my mom because she couldn't go anywhere. Yeah, and this is an old story. And I think Dr. Dobson even used this years ago. Where at a at a prison, a greeting card company took Mother's Day cards for them to fill out and write to their mom, yes. and they had to go back to the warehouse to get more cards yes. because everybody stood in line in that prison yes. to send a note send your mom to the mom because dad. But then, yeah. but then they did it for Father's Day, thinking they'd had the same great success. Not one prisoner yeah. wanted to send a note yeah. to his father. Yeah. Think of that. Well, that's what you're saying. And that, that's a, a sad tale of where we are in our culture right now is that I think fathers feel so marginalized and feel their value is so low in the family that men have just basically left. And, and my message is if we don't get our dads back in our homes, um, if you really want to restore our country, get our dads back. Boy, that one is powerful. One by one by one. You want safer neighborhoods, safer schools, put dads back. 
Okay, so there was lots of good stuff in that clip. Uh, basic takeaway is with your kids, number one, verbalize your feelings, right? Tell your kids that you love them. It's important to show them as well, but you need to make sure you tell your kids how you feel about them. And the other big takeaway is show affection to your kids, uh, especially your daughter, uh, lest you <laughs> reap some bad consequences later on in their life. So number one, verbalize your feelings. Number two, show affection. And uh, I know it's it's kind of like a slight edge thing. It's easy to do and it's easy not to do. So try and get into the habit even, I don't know, set a reminder on your phone to do certain things like that. Um, it's real easy to overlook. But if you can remember to do these things consistently, the impact can be huge in the life of your child. So that brings us to the last clip of the episode. And as promised, it involves a Navy SEAL. But actually, it's, it's not an interview with a Navy SEAL. What I want to do is I want to play for you a sample from an audiobook that I just listened to that was recommended to me by a friend of mine. So this book is called From Wimpy Kid to Warrior Kid, The Navy Seal Way. And it's a book uh, by written by a Navy Seal. His name is Jocko Willenick, I believe is how you pronounce the last name. And, and Jocko writes this book in which you have a fictional 10-year-old boy that is about to enter summertime. Uh, he just hates school. He hates everything about it. I mean, he gets bad grades, he's not very athletic, he hates gym class, he gets bullied, he gets embarrassed at school for various things he can or cannot do, and he can't wait for summer to happen. A, to just get relief from the misery of school, and B, because his Navy SEAL uncle is coming into town for the summer, and he wants to hang out with his uncle. So I looked up the reviews on Amazon on this book, and the first review said, this is a must read for every father and son. And that that sort of got my attention. And when I clicked on the sample for the audio, I was like, oh, this, this is really good. But the story centers around um, a fictional 10-year-old boy and his fictional Navy SEAL uncle. And it's just a really cool story that is read from the perspective of this 10-year-old boy that's about to go into like fifth or sixth grade. So I'm actually going to play a sample from this book. It's uh, maybe six or seven minutes long, just to give you a feel for it, right? So the book opens up, and it's read in the voice of the kid, and he just basically talks about how miserable school is. And then I splice it together and play another little part from the book where the boy confides in his uncle that he's not having all that great a time at school. And I'm pretty sure the voice of the Navy SEAL is actually Jocko. But since I'm extremely biased toward audio and audio books, I decided to get this in the audio format. And I played this for my son. And we uh, listened to it uh, back and forth on the way to school. I had like maybe a 15-minute commute. And over the period of about a week or two, we finally finished the book. And some of the <laughs> some of the results in the... The attitude change of my son and even my daughter is just, it, it's just pretty impressive. So I'm going to play this clip for you just to give you a feel for it and just kind of imagine listening to, listening to this book with your kids. Um, and there was just something about the character of this boy that just really resonated with my son and even my daughter. 
and the lessons taught in this book are, are honestly something that everyone, even even grown-ups, even adults, should pay attention to. So check this out just to get a sample of it. Uh, you know, kind of imagine listening to something like this with your with your kids, and uh, I, I'd highly recommend it. But after this clip, I'll tell you some of the results from this book. Uh, pretty impressive, just from a simple audiobook. So check out this clip. The worst year. Tomorrow is the last day of school, and I can't wait for it to be over. This has been the worst year ever. The bad part is that I don't see how next year is going to be any better at all. Fifth grade was horrible. I'm afraid sixth grade will be even worse. Why was it so bad? Where do I begin? Top five reasons why fifth grade was horrible. One, it's school. I'm sitting at a desk all day. Two, I learned that I'm dumb. That's right. All the other grades, I thought I was smart. But this year was a failure. I still don't know my times tables. How the heck am I going to make it through next year? Three, school lunches. They call it pizza. I have no idea why. Since when does a piece of white bread count as pizza crust? Four, gym class. Most people like gym, but at my school we have tests, and I completely stink, especially at pull-ups. Guess how many pull-ups I can do? Zero. I can do zero pull-ups. I'm a disgrace to 10-year-olds, and the whole class knows it, even the girls, especially the girls that can do more pull-ups than me. Five, field trips. Just like gym class, most kids like field trips. Well, we go to one place for field trips, Mount Tom. We go there in the fall before it gets too cold, and in the spring when it starts to warm up. But here's the thing. Mount Tom isn't a mountain. It's a lake. Here's the problem. I can't swim. I hit it pretty well during our fall trip, but this spring, kids noticed. Why don't you come out in the water? Why are you staying on the beach? Why don't you jump off the diving board? What kind of person can't even swim? Me. That's what kind of person. Ugh. Six. I know I said top five reasons, but there is one more. And it's probably the biggest reason. Kenny Williamson. He is big and he is mean. He rules the jungle gym. He even calls himself King of the Jungle Gym or King Kenny. If any other kids want to play on the jungle gym, they either have to be friends with Kenny or follow his rules. All the teachers talk about how my school is bully-free. We even had a no-bully day, where we talked about bullying and how bad it was, and how we should tell the teachers if we saw it happening. Well, let me tell you, Kenny is definitely a bully. And he is definitely in my school. And no one says anything to the teachers about it. Those are the top reasons why fifth grade was horrible. And sixth grade isn't going to be much better. I can't wait for school to be over tomorrow. So the suffering can't stop. 
and the summer can start. This summer is going to be awesome. Yes, it's cool that I won't have to be in school, but something even cooler is happening. My Uncle Jake is coming to stay with us the whole summer. He has been a Navy SEAL for eight years and is getting out of the Navy to go to college. Before he goes to college, he is going to stay with us the whole summer long. Chapter 4. Roommates After dinner, we went upstairs to go square away. That's an Uncle Jake term. My room before it got too late. This is when things got bad. Uncle Jake asked me what I was doing the next day. Are you going to meet with some of your friends? Go play some basketball or soccer or something? I'm not that great at sports, I told him. You don't have to be good to have fun. Well, it's not really that fun when you aren't good, I answered, already feeling like a big wimp. Okay, how about a swim? There's got to be some place to go swimming around here, right? When he said that, I suddenly felt terrible. Here I was with my own uncle who wants to go swimming with me. But I can't, because I don't even know how to swim. I felt like I didn't even deserve him as an uncle. Tears suddenly welled up in my eyes. And I blurred out, I can't swim! What do you mean you can't swim? He asked. I mean, I can't swim. At all? He questioned me. At all. I can't swim at all. As I said that, I finally just burst. Tears came streaming out of my eyes. Then I told him everything that I didn't tell my mom. Everything. Not only that, but I can't do any pull-ups. I'm probably the weakest kid in the school. The tears really started coming down now. Even though I was looking like a complete baby, I couldn't stop myself from crying or talking. And it's not just that. I don't know my times tables yet. I'm almost 11 years old, and I don't know my times tables. Okay. You know, there's... Uncle Jake was trying to tell me something, but I cut him off. I can't believe it, but I butted right in and started talking over him. And the worst part is... I get bullied. Almost every day I have to do what Kenny Williamson tells me to do. Who's Kenny Williamson? Asked Uncle Jake. A teacher? No! I shouted. He's another kid. A bully. All right. I get it. Uncle Jake said. Is that it? Is that it? I get picked on by a bully, made fun of because I can't do any pull-ups. I don't know what 8 times 7 is. And I don't even know how to swim. How much worse can I get? I said loudly. Good, said Uncle Jake. Good? I asked him. How the heck is all of that good? It's good because every one of those problems is something you can change. Every one of them. I didn't know what to say. Here I was, a complete mess, crying over my situation. But Uncle Jake was calm. So calm, it made me start to get calm, too. Look, Mark. He said. When I joined the Navy, I could only do seven pull-ups. Now I can do 47. I wasn't a great swimmer. Now I can swim like a fish. I also didn't do all that well in school. 
But when I got into SEAL training, I learned how to learn and ended up doing great on all the academic tests. And finally, when I first got into the SEAL teams, I knew nothing about fighting. But now, I can handle myself in any situation. Of course you can. You're a Navy SEAL. You are missing the point. I wasn't born like this. I had to work for it. I had to learn it. I had to earn it. And what I'm telling you is that instead of being a wimpy kid, you can be a warrior kid. Warrior kid? I wasn't exactly sure what that really meant. But it sounded awesome. What is a warrior kid? I asked. I'll tell you about it tomorrow. You need to go to bed. But I think a warrior kid is exactly what you need to become. Uncle Jake walked out of the door to go downstairs and talk to my mom. Warrior kid. Warrior kid. Wow. I lay on my mattress thinking about this as I drifted off to sleep. All right, so there you go. That is a pretty cool book. Uh, now, when I listened to that with my my kids, we would get in the car and we could listen to this maybe 15 minutes at a time, which was actually a pretty good time frame for their attention span, right? My 10-year-old son and my 8-year-old daughter. And I thought my son would get a whole bunch out of it. I thought he would like it, which he did, but I was kind of kind of surprised when I would pick up both my kids from school and my daughter, the first thing she would say is, let's listen to Wimpy Kid. Let's listen to Wimpy Kid. So so she she loved it too. But my son, man, it, it really resonated with him. So much so that he is starting to mimic the character in the book. So one of the parts of the story is is the the little boy starts to get up really early to exercise. So no lie, after we've, we were maybe even halfway through this book, my son goes, Dad, wake me up at 5.30 so we can go jogging. I mean, so we, <laughs> we did that for probably a week, and I was actually the one worn out. I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know if we can do this, this every day. This is kind of disrupting my schedule a little bit and what I want to accomplish in the morning. But, man, what he was able to do and the, the fact that he had this motivation and drive to push himself as a 10-year-old was pretty impressive. There's also part of the story to help combat the bullying where the character actually goes to and takes jujitsu lessons. And guess what? Now my son wants to take and in fact has taken jujitsu lessons. There's a place uh, where we go up in Zinesville, uh, Indiana, which which teaches Brazilian jujitsu. And, and we've been going a couple times a week and he absolutely loves it. So even with a, a handful of lessons under his belt, he you can just see his confidence has gone from really shy and apprehensive to he's starting to throw his body weight around. And he, he's kind of a big kid for his age. So for him to go from shy to um, confident and confident in his own skin, it's really, really cool to sort of witness that. So when, when he has a good class and even when he doesn't, guess what? I praise his effort and not the result. So I'm trying to just saturate his mind at this young age with this growth mindset sort of mentality. So just, just think about this. I invested, I don't know, eight, nine dollars in an audiobook, And now my son wants to get up at 530 in the morning to exercise. And he wants to go to Brazilian jiu-jitsu lessons. And it's all because that book was so so well read and so well written. 
you know, it addresses all sorts of things. You know, how do you succeed physically? How do you stand up to bullies? How do you succeed academically? Man, it even talks about what food to eat. And, you know, my son comes to me and tells me he doesn't want to eat as much, you know, quote unquote, as much junk food. So all of this from listening to this one audio book. I mean, make up an excuse to drive 15 minutes away to go visit a friend or go shopping or whatever, just so you can get your son or your kids in the car to kind of get exposure to this audiobook. Anyway, obviously I, I kind of geeked out on it, but it's a it's a really cool book and that's just something simple you can do to nurture and grow some really good character traits in your kids. So that's it. That's your Father's Day lesson. All that to keep it really, really simple. And your simple takeaway from this episode is you don't have to overcomplicate this fatherhood thing. Just do the simple things. And what are those simple things? Tell your kids that you love them. Show them affection and praise the effort and not the result. If you praise the effort enough, the results are going to come naturally on their own. So just keep doing those simple things. Find ways to work those into your everyday life. And over time, they'll make a big, big impact. All right, that's it, guys. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We hope you found a few nuggets of wisdom that you can apply to your life. Until next time, take action. Keep hacking and stacking your way to success.